Well, thank you, gentlemen and lady. I think the only thing that was missing was a little cowbell on that one. We used to have one. It got thrown out. We need to get that again. Maybe. A little cowbell. Hey, all, all visitors, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Will. I didn't do the announcements today. I'm glad that you're here. And, and I think it's you know, great. You're, you're looking for a place, a fellowship, an assembly, whatever language you like to use, of people who are wanting to follow Jesus and do it together. And so we're really glad you're here. Like Josh said, next week, if I don't scare you away today and you come back another week, um, we'd love for you to stay. We're going to bring some lunch in. That way you get to know some of the pastors and elders and ask any questions that you have that, that aren't typically answered on a Sunday morning. Like, for instance, we go through books of the Bible-ish because, um, you know, I'm trying to be a more spirit-led man over time. So this could be really good or really a disaster because I'm telling you I rewrote the sermon at 7 a.m. this morning. And when that happens, I get excited. Okay, now maybe I ate something bad last night and it wasn't the Holy Spirit, this is just me, so we'll see. But let me pray before we get in. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank, for, thank you for your mercy on me, not as a person who's arrived or figured it out, but as a person um, created and loved by you, who's, who's trying to practice following you uh, and trying to learn and grow and constantly failing, but always getting back up, Lord, with your help. So, Lord, I pray that this time that we would know more about you, but that we would know you more, that we would be a people that love Jesus, that know him more, and that he invades our life more and more as we practice his ways. So use any word that you give me, Lord. Delete any word that you don't give me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So why, why I'm saying that, John-ish, last week we took a little detour. So if you're kind of like, what's up with this guy? Well, we're, we take a book of the Bible... And then prayerfully, we're going through it verse by verse and seeing really what pops out, right? Praying, Lord, what do you want us to talk about this week? And sometimes the Lord's like, close that book and go to the other one, right? Like takes you to Ephesians or Romans or whatever. We are in, in John 1 verses 6 through 13. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles or click into your Bibles there, whatever you prefer. If you don't have a Bible, check out the seat pocket in front of you and... Uh, Squint, because it's print small. Um, we'll jump right in. So, verse 6, right? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So if you've been in the church environment or read your Bible before, do you know? So this is written by John, and he's talking about a man named John. So who's the John that wrote it? John. John? Good answer, yeah. John what? The apostle, right? So this is a man that walked with Jesus. And then what about this man sent from God whose name was John? John the, the Baptist, John the Baptizer, uh, right? So we, I was going to talk more about him, but God took me a different direction. So we'll, we'll probably get to that in a future day. But John the Baptist. And it said, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. If you were here before, uh, give me a little idea what that light means. Is it literal like he came to bear witness about the sun or a candle flame? What's, what's it mean? It's the, light of men. the light of men, okay. I heard Jesus, that's a great church answer. 
And you would be correct. Yeah, for sure, on both of those. Um, so he was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light... Okay, so... So the, the, the Greek word here in a Prescott Valley pronunciation is phos, right? Phos is how I would say it. And the word here, it actually, it's a Greek word that we're translating, right, into English. So we chose the word light. It seems like a pretty good translation because that word can mean, in a literal way, like the sunlight or illumination. And, and not necessarily a literal way, it can mean like revealing or, or making something visible that wasn't before. It's like illuminating, like, oh, the light, I can see it now. I can understand. Does that make sense? So whatever this understanding is, has come into the world. So the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Another word that I wanted to define. So... The word that we're translating, oh, you're one of those like always Greek guys. No, not always Greek guys, but I want to tell you about this so we can get to the point, okay? The word here, world, because when you think of world, um, sometimes you might think of the planet or the people or like the evil systems, right? Especially in church, the world. You're just going with the world and it's this very negative thing. Well, the word here is cosmos and cosmos in the Prescott Valley pronunciation. The word actually can mean quite a few things. In a literal definition, what it means, in Greek, it's, it's like an apt and harmonious arrangement or constitution, an order, a government, I would say system. So in a literal way, its implications, as used in Scripture, can be many things. Like the next thing might be harder to read, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it says. The arrangement of the stars. So... The co- where we say cosmos, the English word, we're talking about space and the universe and stars. It's coming from this. And it's that idea of the stars seem to be in a particular order and arrangement, and we've come to study them enough to realize it's kind of miraculous. They don't collide into each other, and when they burn out, there's an order to it. So the stars, the cosmos. The world itself, the, like the universe or, or the planet, could also be cosmos. So when it says that, it could mean any of those things. Um, more often, when we're talking about it in here, we're talking about the inhabitants of the earth, the men, the families, the people, or a section of those people, the kind of the ungodly, the rebellious multitude going their own way. Uh, the world affairs, systems, governments, right? The whole circle of earthly goods, money, you know, sex, fame, power. Military, all of that could be categorized. So you see this word is really far-stretching. So like if we go back, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So if it was Jesus, which we learned before, and he was coming to show us what was true, what world was he coming into? Right? A lot of those. I mean, he was coming into the physical planet, Right? He was coming into the lives of the people here. He was coming into a Roman world system and also into a Jewish, like Israelite religion and world system. So he was coming into a lot of those things. And so the idea is this. I'm speaking fast because I want to get through that piece to hit this. So I wrote this as just a direction for me. So this light 
if you will, what I want to tell you, that this truth, this clear vision is colliding with the beliefs, the values, the hopes, the truths we people hold on to, which were given to us by other people who we've come to know already in John that we can be blind to that, that there's a darkness in the world, that there's an evil deceiving us. So it's as if we're defining blue as described by a blind man who's never seen blue. And we wonder why we get out of line. And so what John's saying is there is darkness, but the light has come and he's come into the world and he's He's coming in, he's colliding with, with some things. And that's why God spoke to a prophet named Isaiah. And, and it's recorded in the Bible, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Part of this, guys, understand something. My whole goal, while I'm excited about going through John, is this. I'm convinced of this. Most of my job here is the, is the man who God's asked to talk to you about him, to the church, so that you'll grow like him, and then you'll minister to everyone around you, starting with the people in your house. And, and in you, they will see how amazing and good God is. Okay? Now, I'm supposed to speak truth to you, but I've got to go back to some really core, basic things, because... The power is in the basic principles. Where we get more complicated, we get overconfident and swelled in our heads by our, our knowledge about Jesus. And we forget how important it is to know Jesus and not just know about him. Especially now. Remember how people used to argue about translations of the Bible? Now you can go onto the internet and find out what the Greek word is. No one's fooling you anymore. So everyone was like, you can't read that. Yeah, you, if you look... Because every one of these versions I read, I go into that Greek stuff, and I'm like, whoa, that was a horrible translation. You could probably pick a verse from every Bible. We have so much information, so little relationship with Jesus. And so don't forget this, that Jesus is coming to interfere, not to catch you where you're at and ride with you through life. He's going to come, interrupt, collide, and interfere with the systems you're in. That's the expectation. And the reason why is because God has said long ago, like what, what's Isaiah written now? Like 2,000, is it 700 to 400 before Jesus? Like 2,700 years ago, more than that probably. And he was saying then, God's trying to tell you people, whatever you think, whatever your ways are, mine are not like your ways, says God. My ways are higher than your ways. Actually, so much higher that it's like the heavens are to, to us. It's like so far you can't see it and fathom it. And what should that do to you, if that's true? Humble you. Humble you. There's that bad word that we don't like. It should humble you. And, and so you remember the, the psalmist, and I think you know a lot of people would say this is David, the king of Israel, that wrote this. Other people have different opinions. But in Psalms 25, 4, he wrote, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. 
Can you see why that becomes important? If his ways are so far above our ways, and it sounds elementary. I love my wife for that. She's always really good about saying, did you even ask God about that, right? That's the simple thing we forget. This been 10, 20, 30, 40 years study in the Bible and thinking you're going to gain some kind of understanding. You're going to somehow bridge that gap from the heavens to the earth. That distance, right? With your understanding when God says you cannot without me. Right? So back to that basic, guys. So if we keep going forward. So John said this. He, who's he? Jesus, good, you did the right, good answer. Okay. He was in the world, right, the cosmos, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So, right, like Jesus, guys, get that. Jesus created everything. Like, he did create the stars and the space. Okay, he did create earth and the oceans, and the mountains, and and the plains, and the valleys, and the deserts. He came up with all that, and waterfalls, and he created every animal, and he created you, and me. He created all of those things through Jesus, and he sustains them through Jesus. But also, through Jesus came every sort of intellect, and whether it it was created by perverse deception, or by the knowledge of God, somewhere along the way, there was supernatural influence, Right? Which gave us wisdom, reasoning, and suggestion that created just about anything. I mean, who came up with the amazing idea for this shirt, Derek? You know? Right? Holy Spirit inspired to some designer or something. Joseph, right? Yeah, exactly. So, is that right? <laughs> yeah. That's, ex- that's exactly true. It wasn't Joseph himself, it would be his dad. So, Jesus created all of those things. Then he humbled himself, right? That word we don't want to use. And he came down and took a human form to come in and rescue us. But his own people didn't receive him. Who were his own people? The Jews, right? He was was in the lineage, in the biology, in the blood relation to the promised people through Abraham. Down through King David, through his parents. So the question I have for you, now we're getting somewhere. I was just reading you verses you've read a hundred times. Why didn't Jesus' own people receive him? They didn't trust him. Wasn't what they expected. Yeah. What is it? They were blind. They were occupied by the Romans and they were hoping the second coming Messiah would come eliminate the Roman control. They didn't want to change. They were enamored by the law. What was over here? Hard-headed. What is it? A prophet in his own land. Is it usually received? Yeah. Yeah. They liked the traditions. They thought the traditions were really cool. They, they fell in love with their own world. I love it. What else? It was never... Yeah, see, now, now you're getting to some truth. 
Like, I'm glad. I mean, it's devastating they didn't accept him, but I'm glad. Otherwise, I would have been out of luck, right? If, if, it would, if he would have just been the God of the Israelites, every one of us who weren't Jewish by Jewish descent would be out of luck. But God knew. He knew us and our limitations. And so, in other places in the scripture, it says that that came to pass. And then we were offered, everyone else who were Gentiles, non-Jews, the same promises of God by adoption through the Holy Spirit, right? And Jesus Great answers. Great answers. I, you're thinking, oh, well, you didn't write the sermon, so you wanted me to write it for you. No. I, I did put a few things here, but, but I, I might use what you're saying, too. Um, one, of the, one of the important things that really was on my heart with this, and Steve, you alluded to this, they had an ideal or an expectation. Okay? A hope for what life with the Savior would be like. Well, what do you mean? I mean, why, why do we study history? Do you remember what your history teacher used to tell you? So you don't repeat it, right? Because history repeats itself. People were the same kind of squirrely we've always been. And, and, you know, we can fall into those same kind of patterns. So, I mean, you can read characters in the Bible and say, oh, I'm totally that guy sometimes, or that girl, or I've done the same stupid thing, if you're honest. So you look at that and you see, you see what, the, what happened to the people at that time and how it parallels to the things that we do. But it's this idea. So we can kind of get into their mind a little bit. They had this ideal, like you guys are saying. They're thinking this Messiah, like great power. They're thinking like a king. And so all the people who came with Jesus expected houses and palaces, right? And control and money and wealth. And, control, and they expected a military coup over the, the Romans. And so... They weren't expecting a carpenter, right? They weren't expecting this guy from Nazareth. But then they also expected him to invite them, like, Emily, come into the kingdom with me. Let's go to the castle with the beautiful gold. Instead, he's like, oh, let's go in the woods, right? Like, this is not what they expected, Where do those expectations and hopes come from? What's that? The mind of man. Fleshly desires, people. What's that, pride? Can you see that over time? It gets, it's subtle. It's really subtle. Like what we do to everything that we're given. Right? It's like why you, you find any perfect group of people Walk away because you'll wreck it when you go in. We, we do this over time. We, we pervert, destroy, wreck everything. So over time, from God talking to men, to men establishing organizations, and to the law of God, and then everything the scribes had added to it, they had all these expectations for what the prophet would be like, right? And they misunderstood because they were blind. They, they knew he'd come from Bethlehem, but here's this guy from Nazareth. Well, nobody asked him where he was born. Right? And, and they didn't realize when he was going to be a king, his kingdom wouldn't be of this earth. That he was building a kingdom that was starting now and would take rule and last forever. But no one asked. No one looked. No one understood. So they followed what other men told them and women told them. The systems of the world created expectations. And imagine this. Imagine he did 
take rule. Right then. You know, like 2,000, we'll use a round figure, 2,000 years ago. What would happen? I love it. There's a story about this in Revelation, okay? He locks Satan up. I'm paraphrasing. Jesus takes rule on earth over people for a thousand years, okay? Jesus himself, like we're not talking the new earth yet. We're talking the one we're on, the, the rule over a thousand years. As soon as they let Satan out, he starts doing his weird work. And then guess what happens? This is going to happen. It says that people are marching, armies are marching up into the city to kill Jesus. And he has to throw fire down from the sky and burn them up. So if he would have taken out the Romans and set up, it wouldn't have made it a thousand years. We'd really be out of luck, right? Did you, I, I just thought about that right now, Derek. I never thought of what, what would happen if he did what they wanted him to do. They would have not been happy with what, what, how it worked out if Jesus would have said, okay, I'll just be the ruler of this land. That would have expired by now. I mean, heaven forbid, because we're a couple hundred years in and we think like our country is the best one that's going to last forever, but... These nations don't last forever because we're just people, but God's kingdom lasts forever. So you and I don't want him to just set up his earthly kingdom here without taking care of the problem of evil and setting up his heavenly eternal kingdom. You see that? But we don't know that because we're blind. Of course we don't want the Romans taking our money and threatening our health and welfare. I think that stopped clicking there. So they were, they were given over to that. Um, yeah, I think that's not going to work there. Um, would you click the next slide for me, Linda? Could it stop? Yeah. So then once, once it didn't go like they hoped, here what ha- here's what happened. Okay. They, they began to doubt, right? They began to lose heart. They began to get sad. It says in Proverbs that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I would propose to you that sick hearts that aren't, that the hopes are not met, what happens is they long for comfort and then they're really open to suggestions of how to get that comfort. And you can see this all around us. We're constantly trying to numb any pain or discomfort that we have. You see that? So for them, that's what happened too with the people. They found comfort in their religion. The Jews, like, okay, we go through this. We have our feasts. We have our festivals. We have our Sabbaths, right? If we follow this, we're finding joy and comfort in this. Oh, man, I've loved, you know, for the next feast. I'm just looking forward to that. Yeah, go to the next one, if you would, Linda, for me. And then it wasn't that Jesus didn't offer proof that he was the Savior. It was just that they didn't. They didn't actually accept and like the proof he was offering. I mean, he raised people from the dead, right? He made storms calm. He made, he healed people from sickness, from lameness, right? And they were mad because he interrupted their Sabbath. So, you know, they might have, they might have really like, open their eyes and ask God what was going on, they might have seen that God himself was before them. It's as if they were saying, Jesus, move out of my way. I'm looking for the God that I created for myself. 
But then, then the positive, here's what it says in John, verse, tw- verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. I mean, we could dwell on that for a long time, but that's not for today. And these children who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Wait, there's, there's a way that you can become a son of God, not by anything that you can do, not by your own will or even your own obedience, but by God himself and his power? I think we should really want that. As a pastor, I deal with a lot of problems. People's problems, my own problems, probably more so. And it always seems to come down to this. It always seems to come down to my relationship with God and how I'm feeling about him. Really. And there's people now, because there's information. I mean, they're studying. How come people who step up and try to lead organizations for God they just like fall apart and it's that. It's always this. It's always like how I feel about God. I won't accept his love. I won't accept what he has for me because there's so many world systems in the way. So many of my own desires, so many of my own wills. And it, you don't have to just be a Christian leader for that to happen. Any man or woman walking day in, day or out, this can happen to you. So what keeps us then? Because I'm telling you, this has not changed in 2,000 years. It really hasn't. I, I believe that part of our problem is we don't really receive what Jesus is offering. And even that word receive has been hijacked. And if we get back to the basics of it, we have to really receive what God's given to us and then follow him through it. So we have an ideal. This is what's going on now. You can tell me whether I'm right or wrong. We have an ideal. This is where I got stuck and why I had to share this with you today. We have an ideal, an expectation, a hope for what life with the Savior will be like, right? And it's everywhere. Man, like, this is what it's like. Like, okay, think about it. What kind of expectations do that we have with life, with God? What should it be like to be five or six? Carefree is a great word. All of you carefree at five, six, seven, eight? Not all of you. No one was supposed to hurt you. No one was supposed to abandon you. No one was supposed to tear you down. What about 11 and 12, you know? You're still supposed to be innocent and, and playing and learning and helping, but did that happen? What about being a teenager? Isn't that like you see on the movie? Did you have that like amazing school dance? Was that great? Did you have tons of friends? Yeah, it was like a musical broke out. Right, like everyone's like dancing. Was it like that for you? Were you like on, were every one of you like this, this like a super on fire, 13-year-old kid, 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid? No. Did, did you make mistakes? What about being 20? What was that like if, you have, if you've already been there? Or like 30? What about the mistakes you made? What about all the hopes that you had and what you thought would happen? Who's been married before and it didn't go like you thought? Who's had kids and it didn't go like you thought it would? Who's struggling right now with these things? 
It was supposed to be linear, right? You, you find yourself, you grow, you get a good job, you match up with a mate, you have a great family, whatever that looks like for you, and, and you, you do well and you don't worry and you grow in old age and you make 50th wedding anniversary and you say, this is my best partner ever, and it's true. But that's just not how it goes. And you think if God is good, he's going to give me all these things. Like I find him when I'm eight, he rides the bus with me to everywhere that I want to go. Then I get older, I live in a subdivision, everything's really nice. No one young's even really welcome there because it's way too nice. You know, they'll break everything. Like, right? Whose way is that? Didn't it sneak in? What about church? Elliot doesn't, wasn't even wearing girl pants. Did you see that? No visible tattoos or like, I don't he didn't. He didn't look the part on YouTube that I see, right? Where, where were they at? Where was that like? Or Will, you don't really look the part, you know? It's not what I expected. This church, well, the floor is unfit. We can't do that. What kind of programs do you have? And where's the coffee shop, right? Those are expectations we set up. Are anything though, any of those parts wrong? Ellie, if you want to wear girl pants, dude, I love you, man. You can do it, okay, dude? Be as, be as cool as you want to be, okay? But that's not the expectation. It's like it's got to look like this, and this is what life is. And I'm always on my Facebook, praise God. I, even my voicemail says that. Like, this is what you do. What happens when it's like, oh, either, either you're faking it or you're miserable because it's not what you expect. So those expectations or hopes, you guys answered it, were given, over, given to us over time by many systems at play. I don't mean to trash the systems. I just got to point you back to the, to the obvious part of it. Even systems that were God-centered, why do, why do we do this? Like, right? Like some guy came up with the idea for the cracker and the, and the juice, right? And now even with health concern, they put it in the same package. Is it evil that they did that? No. Can we be honest about where it came from? And why, why the gold things do we put them in there? I don't know. It's what they sold, right? It was here when I got here. I don't know. Why do we sit this way? Why is there these four songs and then we do this? Why, why do we say hallelujah or all God's people say? Why any of that stuff? It's all made its way in. And I say this not so that you'd be rebellious, but that you'd humble yourself and be honest enough to look at yourself that so many of these cosmoses in our hopes and our desires and our dreams have been formed by a man, and I, I'm pointing back at myself as the worst. So once it doesn't go, once it doesn't go like we'd hoped, it doesn't achieve the outcomes we have, the realization has to be something has gone wrong. And you begin to get heart sick or hard hardened, right? Was the warning. Don't harden your hearts. Be there for each other. Spur each other on in faith and good works. Make sure that none of you let unforgiveness, right, or hate or any of these things in because they build up, they build up resentment in heart hearts so you forget that God is good. See, it isn't in your life and mind that Jesus isn't offering proof that he's the Savior. And I'll even say it differently, that he is good. How is he good? How, tell me, how is God good? Where's the evidence? Okay, yeah, the things that he's doing. What's that back here? His creation. Wow, it's beautiful. Yeah. 
What's that? His presence? Yeah. His unconditional love? Unexpected, like prayers answered, right? Like it just, oh, wow. His what? His refinement? So even, wait, 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 you're saying even the pain of changing and growing can be evidence that he's at work. Yeah. You ever notice how, and I can do this, man, you can catastrophize something over time, right? And then suddenly it kind of fades away because everything is just so temporary, right? Like, oh man, it's the end of the world. And then God is so patient. Like, he's so patient. And when you see that, it's evidence of his goodness. Right? And, and I think part of the problem, guys, is the older you get, the more evidence you should have. And oftentimes people who are older than me tell me, and I can already see that, that sometimes the best way to see how good God was is looking back. Right? Looking back. He's good, right? And he's so at work. And we don't talk to each other enough about this. So check this out. Here's how I stand here. Brief story, okay? I'll try to make it brief. Chase the world. I'm driving a bus. Go to college. Do this thing. Economic downturn. Revisit what I'm doing. End up going with my mom to a church I don't want to be part of. Like, hey, would you teach this? What about Wednesday night? What about Sunday night? Try Sunday morning. Okay. You ever think about being a pastor? I said this, God and money. I'm not mixing those two. This guy said that, okay? I happened to talk to a guy in this church. Okay, this is like 2013. 2001, I came to this church when I was planted. I got to meet the guy, right, who ended up replacing the pastor who quit. And then he says, What? You want to do ministry? I need a pastor. I mean, come on. How could God do all those things? Like economic downturn, talk to a business guy in the seventh floor of a skyscraper in an office a third the big of this, man. This dude, cross on his desk, and I'm like, man. He's like, I'll give you a job in Mesa. But I wonder if God's not up to something in you. Corporate VP in a business suit said that to me in a skyscraper in Phoenix. God is amazing. So then how come I can't trust him with my wife or my kids? And I'm like forcing it, right? Like you want your kids to go this way, push. You want your husband or your wife to go this way, push. Right? We just don't trust him. And it's the same thing. Like we're expecting the whole wrong thing from Jesus. We have this kingdom that we want him to set up, and we want him to come in with his sword and tear down every obstacle to set up the kingdom that we want. It's as if we're saying, Jesus, get out of my way. I'm looking for the God I created for myself. Does that happen? Anyone else? That ringing? Or is it just me? Was this for me? He'll put you wherever he needs you. But you see, that is it. Like, if you're God, you will A, B, C, D. 
And not even, that's not even the language, guys. That's, forgive me, that's religious. If you're good and you love me, you're going to do A, B, C, and D. And then what am I left with if, if my conclusion is that I'm angry at God or I'm displeased? Well, you can be angry with God. Yes, be honest. Quit lying to yourself. Okay? Quit lying to yourself. Man, God, you're not doing what I think you're going to do. I'm upset with you. I'm hurt with you. This is where all the sin happens, right? This is where the heart and heart and all the desperate things that you've done in the past. This is where I look at myself when I'm in my 20s being like, what are you thinking? Like, how stupid? Or even yesterday, I'm looking at myself, what? How stupid? Don't you trust God? And why are you interfering? Back to the basics. God will interfere in your life. If you want to follow him and be with him, prepare to be interrupted. And what he's going to do is tear down your kingdom and it's going to hurt to set you straight. The problem is we don't have enough evidence because we've we've blown the whole church thing. We've blown the whole church thing. Like, you guys were expecting some hired dude to be the church when it was you. I don't got the stories. I'm 43, right? I just turned 40. I don't have the stories that you have. I don't have the experiences. I'm like a nimrod in a lot of these areas. I got a few to share with you, but you'd learn them pretty quick and that would be it. I can't spur you on to faith and good works and to hope and to joy. I don't, I don't have the, I should be dead, but I'm not. I don't have the, how in the world can I walk? I don't have the, my husband's somehow surviving like five, six months in a hospital. I don't have that. I don't have, I had a spouse that died. I made it through. I don't have, I had a kid who died and I made it through. I don't I never had cancer. I never had all these things. So when those come, the person's going to think God is not good. They're going to harden their heart and they're going to do, what are they going to do? What can they do then? Look for comfort elsewhere, right? Or they can get angry and rebellious and just, I guess there's no God. And they can run away. Or you know what's the most popular one is pretend it. Pretend that God is good when you don't really think it. Because not only have you taken yourself out, now you're lying to everyone around you. God's good all the time. Really? Do you think that? Right? Do you think that? Because what about your life is telling me? What about my life is telling me that? See, the invitation is this, to receive God as my Father... And Jesus is the one who rescues me and leads me in a life where I can live and move and have my being in Jesus. What if this group, man, what if, what if even half of us could start seeing this completely differently? What if, what if we could go back to the basics and say, whew, yeah, I, got, I added a lot of stuff in here to my faith over time, God. What if I could come back to the simple basics like, I want to receive you as my father. Jesus, I want, to, I want to receive you as my savior, the one who's my Lord and who's leading me like every day, every minute. And because I don't know your ways, I'm asking you all the time. And that's, that's called prayer. It's called prayer. It's not just when you go to bed or when you sleep. It's like communicating with God. What if we can begin doing that? So even though we're suffering, 
we know that God is good because he is growing us and teaching us and he has an eternal kingdom where all the things that are failing will no longer be failing. And so right now, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, what if you guys, what if what, if what we could say five years from now is like, oh man, check it out. We are living and moving and having our being in Jesus more than ever before. What if you were like, I was a Christian for 40 years or 40 hours and you're like, it's changing now. And I'm actually have something to tell people about how good God is. I need that. How do we get there? How do we get there? That's a great question, Steve. I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer, but the process is the answer. The process is the answer, right? What I mean by that, that can sound very confusing. I think the process is we want to accomplish it, right? Even even back to that, but for those who received him, this is what I'm finding. We try to title that like I've received him once and so now I'm set for all of life. That's not really what the language is saying. It's just like being saved. It didn't just happen when you were eight and now everything's good the rest of the time. I mean, sure, maybe you've been reconciled to eternal life, but you haven't been rescued. You are being rescued. Saved and being saved is the language, right? So like he is rescued. He's going to need to rescue me today because there's some stuff brewing in me. I'm going to blow it, right? I'll blow it. Like if he doesn't rescue me, at 3 o'clock, at 9 o'clock tonight, definitely, probably, right? He's, I'm going to wreck something if he doesn't do that. So the process is this. Like if I'm walking away from here, not crying, not downtrodden like the young rich ruler, right? Rich young ruler. But instead, like, like Zacchaeus, who's like, I'm going to act on what you're telling me. We heard someone share on that. They're like, yeah, in churches we've gone to... I'm crying, and I'm like, oh, what a good sermon. I'm crying away. Well, instead, you should say, what you said through the Holy Spirit cut me to the heart. He's got my attention. I want to do something different. Not, not to do, but because if I do things over a period of time, I will be different. Do you see that? Being different has to start with doing something different. It's like a motivational speaker right now saying that. But it's, they're on to some truth with that. In Christians, it's like, oh, you made me cry. Great sermon. I'm going to go keep doing the same things I've always done. And in the end, God's not going to be good. Yeah, he might stop me. So the evidence of Jesus' goodness in our life. So that's something I want to give you kind of think about, pray about. Talk about in your house with each other. But let's start focusing on these really good things because if we look at faithfulness in the past, it can give us hope for faithfulness in the future. And once we start transforming that thinking, then we can act on that, right? So the invitation, what, what I want you to pray about, I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And we're going to do a couple things right now. I don't want to trick you, okay? That's not, I want to be as real as I can be. Uh, one way to worship and to be in the presence of God, a very powerful way for many people, is to take communion, right? And it's, and it's, it's a, a representation of something Jesus did as recorded in the scripture when he was having, having a meal and they call it his last supper. Um, and the idea was he took that opportunity to give them some symbols to look at. That way, throughout time, they could remember him. They could remember his goodness and what he did for them.
And so there's two parts. One is, one is some kind of bread, cracker, wafer. And it represents his body because in the end, what God's con- uh, convincing me of is, Steve, like we were saying, in this life, I want certain things figured out. But what God is really saying is this whole life, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kill your sinned body and redeem you. And so this whole part, this whole process, why you guys didn't die at five or miscarry, right, in the womb is because you had a process to go through where you're learning and growing. So today is an opportunity to learn and grow, not just to arrive. And so when we do this, we can remember the final arrival. So if, you, if this is really where your heart is and you need this, because what you need to do is soak in the goodness of God, I would invite you to take this. And when you go up here, pray and ask that God would bless this to fill your heart with his spirit and his presence to remember his blood, which is the juice that was poured out for you that washed away all your sins and his body that was broken for you because sin requires death. And maybe that's not what you need, so don't feel like you have to take it. It's here for you. Maybe what you need is this. You need to sit with God and say, I'd ask it like this. What is it, God, that I keep saying, Jesus, would you move out of the way in this area of my life so I can get to what it is that I really think I want? And here's the powerful thing. Here's where it starts, okay? I know we don't want to hear it. But you're going to have to go his way. He won't. He won't force you to follow him. Because chances are you'll go his way for like a day and then you'll stop. But if that can be the focus of, of your time with him, is Lord, I want to know that you're good. I want to hear your heart. Okay? And I want help to actually obey what it is you're asking me to do. But here's the cool thing. It's not just on you. What it says is all of this stuff happens because of the power of God, because of the Holy Spirit. And and let's just pretend you never heard anything about the Holy Spirit, okay? Here's what we know for a fact based on what this said. It's the Holy Spirit, right, who gives you the power. And it's described like this, like the Holy Spirit's like this. It's like the wind. It's like the breath. You don't see it. You don't even know where it's coming from. But you see it, you witness its power and what it does, like a wind, right? It's blowing the trees. So what I want to do is I'm going to pray because I want to do this. This is what God wants me to do. I want to try it his way. I want to taste and see that he's good. And so I'm going to pray, Lord, I'm just, and I'm going to lead you guys in prayer. And then we're going to either going to do some instrumental time, come take communion, come sit in time of prayer. If you need someone to pray with you, I'll be here. Okay, I'm happy to do that. I don't have magic prayers, just someone who loves God like you do. Okay, let's pray. Uh, Father, we don't know how to get started with this, Lord, but man, I, I want to be a man who is growing in his relationship with you. I want to be a man who's following you, not just knowing about you, but knowing you more and more. I want to taste and see that you are good. But Lord, I need your help, man. I know that we all need your help. 
Yes, there's lots of mystery about the Holy Spirit, Lord, but I know that when we ask for your will to be done, that it will be done. So, Lord, I pray that your Spirit, which lives in everyone that believes, is in our presence, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would move in me, that it would fill me, that it would move in all my brothers and sisters here, that it would fill us with a confidence and a peace and a conviction all at the same time, that you would lead us, God, that we would look to you as the direction for how we live.